Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Rejuvenation Health Radio on blogtalkradio.com. The show is brought to you by LipoLite Naples and your hosts are Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron. We are your station for everything natural. We are your station for information about slimming, shaping, and toning. We not only want you to live longer, we want you to have more life in those years. So without further ado, let's get on with today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, I was out of commission here for a while. Dr. Dan, am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great, Dr. Ron. How you doing All today? Right. I got I got a little bit disconnected. I have a new piece of music. Let's let's try it out right now, just for uh, see how we how we're doing here. Is that me or you? Ladies and gentlemen, we are ready. I was knocked off the internet here for a bit, but I'm back on thanks to help from Dr. Dan. This is Dr. Ron with Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. We're going to talk a little bit about a lot of different subjects today, including your car and is it toxic and what you can do about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are brought to you by LipoLite Naples. That's Dr. Ron in Naples, Florida. Uh, Dr. Ron is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist. He is a chiropractor and he's certified in functional medicine. So if you need to slim, shape, tone, uh, back pain, joint pain, if you need to lose some weight, Dr. Ron is located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road, and, and right near the uh, Noodles Restaurante. So if you need to see him, he's centrally located. His phone number is 239-331-5886, 239-331-5886. If you need to reach, reach me at... Uh, with any comments about this show or what, any topics you would like to discuss, that's Doc Ron Radio, D O C R O N R A D I O at gmail.com, Doc Ron Radio. So, with all that out of the way, and one more thing, in case you uh, do not have a computer uh, to listen to this show, remember we are always available at this phone number, 347. 347- Nine eight nine eight eight nine nine three four seven nine eight nine eight eight nine nine. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with the show. Where we are privileged today to have a uh, a, a good friend of mine uh, call into the show, Doctor Dan. Doctor Dan, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, uh, Doctor Ron. How about you today? You doing all right? We're doing good. As you know, last week I was. Where was I, Doctor Dan? In Georgia, Georgia, the whole day through, Ron was up in Georgia, and a gun and a good time he did do. That's not good English, but it rhymes. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we were up in northern Georgia, and uh, we, we tried to have a program last week, but uh, the mountains uh, were uh, not favorable to us uh, uh, putting the show on air. Well, we're back, and we're glad to be back. Uh, we have requests maybe to go for a second hour during the week, and we're going to take that into serious consideration for September, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I do thank you for making us the number one Internet radio health show here in South Florida. I really appreciate, and as I always say, I have an attitude of gratitude uh, for all of your support. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is your car making you sick? Interesting topic because, uh, you know, we all like that new car smell. But believe it or not, it's a concoction of tens or hundreds of chemicals that off-gas. Now, off-gas are volatile organics, like when you buy a, a mattress or you have that, uh, they, they're, they're uh, 
chemicals that come out of mainly plastics. And one of the materials that plays a big role is vinyl. And you may also know it as PVC, polyvinyl chloride. Vinyl contains a chemical that off-gasses, and in fact, that's what causes the fogging on the inside of your windshield, is the off-gassing from that vinyl in your car. Well, they find a lot of vinyl in vehicles with uh, leather seats, which often have very strong new car smell, right? While the front of the seats are usually real leather, in most cases, the sides and back of the seats are made of vinyl. You know, and you, you know, as a consumer, it's hard to tell uh, because the vinyl industry has done a great job of making it look exactly like leather. So vinyl is one of the worst types of plastics, ladies and gentlemen. It's been strongly linked to fertility problems and cancer. So it's important for us to let you know that when you buy leather seats, you're also buying a lot of vinyl. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have tuned into this show uh, on the internet, you'll see a picture of the inside of a car. You'll see that the hard door trim has chlorine and PVC and bromine. And if you've been a a long-time listener to the show, uh, you know that the halogens, the chlorine, fluorine, bromine, are very potent endocrine disruptors. They really play havoc with your thyroid gland especially. That soft door trim has 16.9% chlorine off-gassing. The armrests have chlorine off-gassing. And there is 94 parts per million lead in the seats. And also some bromine. And the steering wheel also off-gasses bromine if it has vinyl. And how about that shift knob? 333 parts per million. So, ladies and gentlemen, what am I saying here? Well, I'm saying that that new car smell could be making you sick. In fact, uh, one of my uh, friends here in South Florida, his wife has fibromyalgia, and she was doing great, absolutely fantastic with her physical therapy program and her supplements until her husband bought a new car. And what happened then? Uh, She relapsed and had to be detoxified uh, from the off-gassing of these products. So, Dr. Dan, did you know anything about all this? Uh, This is new to me about all the halogens that are off-gassing in cars. Absolutely. I I don't... uh... I don't believe in buying new cars anymore. In fact, I'm going to keep the one I have, I think, forever, uh, because I've had it for years, and it's fine. It's a low mileage. And um, um, if you uh, let two or three years go by, I believe possibly you can really decrease the amount of toxic uh, chemicals that get into the car or get rid of them completely. I don't know what you what you feel about that. Well, How many years it let's, take. let's talk about that. Because I recently learned that the temperature inside a car on a hot July day can be 40 degrees hotter than the temperature outside. So if it's 90 outside, you jump in that car, it could be 130 degrees. And what do you want to do right away? Turn on the AC, right? But I'm going to warn you. I'm going to say don't do that so fast. Okay? You know, we, know. Uh, I've talked to you about the uh, water bottles, and we'll talk a little bit about that BPA in, uh, later in the program. But, you know, we, uh, I tell you not to leave that water bottle out in the sun because the plastic, when heated, releases toxins into the water. Well, that same thing is happening when we jump into our steaming cars. Just think about it. Grocery shopping, work, and other errands contribute to 1.5 hours per day for the average American that spends in their car. So an hour and a half a day, the average one. Now, like myself, retired and doing the program and doing some other things outside, I don't spend that time anymore. But the average American is spending one and a half hours a day, every day in their car. So the car seat cushions, the armrests, the shift knobs like we've been talking about, the door panels, the steering wheels, 
the seat fronts, the backs, the seals, the window seals, and the plastic knobs are part of, guess this, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, this, this blew my mind, Dr. Dan. 250 pounds of plastic are used in new cars. 250 pounds. Blew my mind. That's a lot of, a lot of plastic, but, you know, don't panic because we're going to talk about what to do. We're on the same boat, so to speak. So just being aware gives you huge opportunities to make easy, daily, healthy choices, right? Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. All right. So we got to protect ourselves, our children, our pet, our passengers. So if you're going to be working or park for a long period of time, you know, if park in the shade. Try to, anyway. Try to park in the shade. I'm recommending that you buy a sun reflector for your windshield so that that sun doesn't release all the as much toxic chemicals from that vinyl dashboard. And here's one that I'm going to start doing. Open your windows and don't turn on the air conditioner for a few minutes to air out the car and eliminate those of you inhaling those off-gassing chemicals. And I generally recirculate the air, but I'm not going to do that anymore because the research is showing that when you turn on your air conditioner, be sure to use the fresh air setting. You want fresh air coming in. You want that old air going out. And when you park your car, leave the windows cracked a little bit. I mean, these are common sense things. Of course, if it's going to rain, you're not going to do that. But common sense, uh, use your judgment. Open your doors and windows and let the car air out if you have spare time. And, uh, you know, many of these interior parts are made from these toxic chemicals. They also have phthalates in them. I mean, just endocrine disruptors and cancer-causing chemicals. And as Dr. Dan indicated, new cars tend to off-gas higher loads of toxins since they are most recently off the assembly line. And off-gassing is a process by which chemicals from plastics, foams, and other synthetic materials are released. All right, we got that. It's, it's, It's chemicals from plastics, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have a new car... Best advice I can give you is make sure the car interior is well ventilated during those first six months of ownership. Okay, really important, ladies and gentlemen, that first six months, drive with the windows open and don't use that recirculation button. And it's nice to know that the chemical levels reduce, just like Dr. Dan said, the chemical levels reduce the longer one owns a car. And during the summer months, just be mindful of increasing the ventilation in the car, opening those windows up. Uh, And if you're lucky like me, put that top down and let that stuff out. Let those chemicals out of there. And some other good news, actually. Automobile makers have been making an effort to improve the air quality of car interiors by using alternative products. And you can go on uh, a website called healthystuff.org, uh, and you'll have a guide to the which cars have the most outgassing or not. And believe it or not, the best picks as of today are the Honda Civic, the Toyota Prius, and the Honda CRV. And believe it or not, the Mini Cooper has one of the higher off-gassing ratings, according to this website. So be careful for our kids, our pets, um, and I will tell you, in addition to formaldehyde, naphthalene, and carbon disulfide used in the adhesives, foams, and fabrics, two other major chemicals are also used and widely used, I should say, in car interiors. And that's the PBDEs, that's the flame retardants, and the phthalates, widely used to soften that PVC plastic. So, ladies and gentlemen, just knowledge is power. Uh, Like Dr. Dan said, you know, uh, new cars are are more toxic. And uh, drive with those windows open. Another suggestion, Dr. Ron, if you don't mind. Not only uh, is it safer if you buy a a used car, two, three, four years old, you save a lot of money because (laughs) the depreciation has been given to the primary owner. 
Well, so you uh, can make that, a good deal if you can find one with low mileage that's in good shape. I'm going to put you on my financial show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little monetary advice. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm looking at this uh, call-in board today. Thank you, everybody, for calling in. But I see another uh, dear uh, caller, a, a good friend, uh, Howard. Is that you, Hal? Yes. Uh, do you know anything about that off-gassing? I just thought that was an interesting topic of uh, all these chemicals in the in the new cars and 250 pounds of, of, of plastics used in every car. And, you know, we talked about the drip, drip, drip effect. I mean, all these chemicals, we're inhaling them. Our skins are warm. They're going right into us. Uh, I know you must have given this some thought. Well, I've given it some thought. I never realized, uh, you know, the uh, how prevalent it is. Um, I've always tried to get as much, you know, leather in my uh, new cars as possible, dash and seats and all of that, but... And I do uh, air the car out before I uh, get in because I figured that they would be more toxic when it was locked up and hot. So, um, but what you're presenting is very interesting and uh, alarming. Yeah, it is because nobody's talking about it. Everybody likes that new car smell, right? I mean, we all do. I, I, I like it. And I used to use that recirculation button to get the car cooled down faster. But that, that, all we're doing is keeping the chemicals inside. Oh well, ladies and gentlemen, just 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 beware. And for for uh, my good friends, Dr. Dan and Howard, uh, there are some perks about us getting older, gentlemen. And the number one perk is kidnappers aren't going to be very interested in us. And in hostage situations, we're probably going to be the first ones to be released. And and you realize people call at nine o'clock and say, "Did I wake you?" <laughs> Some of the advantages of, of getting up there. Uh, well, and there's nothing, you know, and the things we buy now probably will never wear out, Dan. Probably will never wear out. Uh, they're going to outlive us like our shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other thing we quit doing, I, I, I quit doing it. I quit, quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks in the room. I gave up on that one. No more. That's right. And your eyes can't get much worse, right? Exactly. Uh, They're bad enough as it is. <laughs> and then they talk about uh, global warming. Well, I, I I came to the conclusion our joints are more accurate meteorologists than the National Weather Service. I feel it yesterday, and I feel it today. Yes, sir. And and one more little bit of advantage of getting old. Your secrets are safe with your friends because they won't remember them either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. We talked about the car, your car, new car smell, the chemicals involved in the car, and how you should really air out your car, especially after it, it it's parked and it's heated, and you have a lot of off-gassing of these chemicals from the plastic. Uh, I would like now to just to take a couple minute uh, break for a commercial for, from Dr. Ron. Uh, so, so you can hear what he's doing down in Naples. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Ron Repesey of Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa, your place to chill at 239-658-COOL. If you've not heard of whole body cryotherapy and suffer with back pain, joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, or you're an athlete that wants quick recovery from sports injuries, then come chill with us at Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Sauna. Cryo Spa treatments take only three minutes and are supervised by physicians. Sessions are one-on-one in a private environment. Each treatment can also burn five to 800 calories. As seen on Dr. Oz, Cool Cryo Spa is truly amazing technology. Let's hear what Dr. Kurt Biggs, a well-respected orthopedic surgeon in Naples, has to say about cool cryotherapy. Hi, I'm Dr. Biggs of the Joint Replacement Institute. Since I started applying the cool cryosauna, my patients are healing much quicker and athletes are seeing quick recovery. I recommend this procedure for my surgical patients and athletes. Call Dr. Repesey now to schedule your cool cryo trial session, 239-658-COOL, 239-658-2665, located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road in the Noodles Italian Bistro Plaza. Rejuvenations, cool cryo spa. Come chill with us. That is Dr. Ron, who in Naples is now known as Dr. Cool. Well, I have a few, I have a just an eclectic uh, 
uh, reading list uh, over the last two weeks since I've been away on vacation. Uh, so I'm going to pick out a few things. Number one, I want to pick out uh, some information I have accumulated on BPA-free. Uh, this, uh, that's that uh, those plastic bottles that are supposedly uh, the BPA was toxic for us. Now they're supposed to be free. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about blood pressure and dementia and some alternative treatments and some easy, maybe an easy way to diagnose early dementia. I think uh, three years ago when we started the Rejuvenation Health Radio, we started because we knew that uh, obesity was a contributor to dementia. If a man's waist hit 40 inches or a woman's waist hit 35 inches, they were at a a, a 33% increased chance of getting dementia. So, Dementia always comes up. It comes up when we talk about aluminum. We talk about the aluminum in vaccines, which has never been studied, but it's injected right into our bodies. So dementia plays a, a, an important role when I prepare uh, programs for uh, Dr. Ron. So, uh, you know, you can't walk through a supermarket any, anymore without seeing an army of bottles, cans, food packages claiming to be BPA free, but how much BPA is getting into our food and how can you tell what you should or shouldn't buy? Well, it turns out that dodging BPA is just as big a problem now as ever. And whether or not we get a whopping dose of this dangerous chemical can all depend on what foods we choose. And remember, BPA is also an endocrine disruptor. And and if we, we think about the halogens, the bromine, the chlorine, the fluorine, and the all the chemicals that disrupt our endocrine system, no wonder we have uh, obesity caused by hypothyroidism, high cholesterol caused by hypothyroidism, inflammation caused by all these chemicals. So... We have to make some choices based on our knowledge. So if you're trying to steer clear of BPA, and you only can do it as much as possible, a few things to know when you go buy your groceries. BPA is one of those health issues that should have been solved already. Campbell Soup says they're they're taking it out of all their cans, and other companies have made similar claims. You would think that would be enough if they said it, right? Well, not exactly. Just Out is a study from three major medical schools, and they found not only that consuming canned foods can expose you to large amounts of BPA, but also which ones are the worst offenders. For example, canned soup was found to contain the highest amount of BPA Zapping soup eaters with 229% more of the chemical chemical than those who had consumed no canned foods. So canned soup, high in the list of uh, BPA getting into your system. Number two, canned pasta was next. Upping your urine concentration, and that's how, how they measure it, of the chemical by 70%. And the third thing on the list was canned veggies and fruit. They increased your exposure by 41%. So, what is it that makes soup that that you're purchasing cans, a toxic BPA stew? The lead author of the study, Jennifer Hartle of Stanford University School of Medicine, thinks it has a lot to do with the fact that soup needs a long heating time when processed to get all the contents to the same temperature. You know, because commercial soups, if you know it, maybe you know it or you don't know it, commercial soups are cooked after canning. Also, BPA moves into solids, she said. So if you're having a can of mushroom soup or one containing pasta, it could make for a bigger BPA dose. And more bad news for the lovers of soup and convenience. Came to light this spring when six nonprofits in the United States and Canada found out that two out of three canned foods tested positive for BPA. 
The chemical which is used to coat the inside of can linings was found in 100% of Campbell's and Target's brands and 88% of Walmart ones. All told, 62% of private label cans ranging from Dollar Tree to, get this, Trader Joe's were found to contain BPA. Remember, we're talking about something that has been linked to breast cancer, prostate cancer, type 2 diabetes, obesity, and asthma, and the triggering of early puberty in young girls. Despite all this, you don't have to stop eating soup or just dust off your crock pot and start making it from scratch. Follow a few steps, uh, and you'll be slashing your, a big chunk of that BPA out of your family's diet. Tip number one, only buy canned food from manufacturers that specifically state they no longer use BPA. Campbell Soup now says it won't be PPA-free until 2017. So until then, not Campbell's. Tip number two, buy soups and broths in those paper cartons. They're called aseptic containers. They contain no BPA. And glass containers work too if you can find them. And tip number three, when it comes to fruit and veggies, Choose fresh or frozen varieties over can. Okay? That should be easier to do now with lots of delicious produce being in season. So, you know, we've had lots of programs. We've had Dr. Kalish on talking about BPA and how it uh, can affect our endocrine system. But it's also associated with cancers. And, uh, again, don't throw up your arms and say, oh, well, gosh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Just, you know, make a small change. A small change will in, uh, in, uh, improve your health overall. It may protect you. So, again, I want you to know about it. Uh, don't want you to get depressed about it. Uh, just just do something about it. On a, and you don't have to do, a, uh, do anything huge. Uh, small steps. Small steps. What do you think, Dr. Dan? Can, you, can we do that? Well, that's what, that's what we do here. Uh, my wife makes me, I love soup, as, as my father did. And she makes me all natural vegetable and bean soup whenever we run out. In fact, I just ran out yesterday, so I have to remind her to make me a whole big pot and then put it in the refrigerator. And I like to eat it for breakfast, to tell you the truth. I eat it whenever I want to. And, and none of it comes out of the cans. So we okay, don't get well. any beef. And uh, when she buys chicken broth, I notice it's it's always in those um, um, paper containers, like you said, never in cans. All right. Well, she's ahead of the curve, and I want all yeah. of our listeners to be aware of what we just talked about. Uh, it's important for your health. And I agree with you. All right. Well, Dr. Dan, uh, I have so much uh, information I've collected over the last two weeks, but let's just talk about blood pressure medicines. I know you're familiar with them, you know? Oh, yeah. You're taking meds until you're ready to choke, right? Swallowing pill after pill. Right. Wow. I mean, who isn't, who, who hasn't been told they have high blood pressure? And, and then what do they give for them? They, what do the, the mainstream, mainstream doctors do? They give you a pill. And every time you feel your, yourself ready to gag, you ask yourself the same question. Do I need those D-A-R-N pills? Well, we may say something else, but do we need those darn pills? Well, the latest mainstream research finds that millions of seniors are taking blood pressure medications that they absolutely, under no circumstances, need. They do not need them. These are folks just like everyone out there. Heck, you might be even one of them. One day your doc says, hey, your blood pressure is too high and gives you and gives you the whole uh, story about warning about a stroke, a warning that you could drop dead on the spot, spend your life as a cripple if you survive. So what do you do? You get scared and you take the pills. <laughs> With a sales pitch like that, I might even do it. But the new study finds he's pushing you into a shotgun wedding, ladies and gentlemen, a lifetime commitment, whether you want it or not. Till death do you part with your blood pressure pills. 
So even when blood pressure levels drop so low, there's no reason to take your medications. You are expected to keep at it, though. It's gotten so absurd that 70% of older folks who no longer need medications for their blood pressure are on them anyway, according to this study. And these aren't borderline cases. These aren't cases when drugs are needed to bring high blood pressure down to the mainstream normal zone. These are cases where blood pressure levels have absolutely plunged with the systolic pressure. That's the top number. With those readings below 100. And they're still Hmm. taking the medication. So instead of quitting the blood pressure medicine, instead of giving patients one less pill to gag on, they just leave them on them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is lazy medicine at its worst. And it could do more harm than you than you realize. It could hurt you or even send you straight into a nursing home. Why? Because blood pressure medications come with side effects, a dizzying array of side effects. Seniors who take them have a higher risk of falls. And a fall at any age, ladies and gentlemen, could turn into a permanent disability. So if you're on these medications, please ask your doctor for help getting off, especially if your blood pressure is low. And even if it's a little bit high, if you're not stage one hypertension range, you still may not need the drugs. So work with your physician. Don't do this yourself. Work with him to get them off. And I am going to tell you now about something that no one else is going to tell you. I don't even know whether Dr. Dan knows this. Well, we'll see. He may know too. It has something to do with get your grips. If your doctor is on your back about your blood pressure number, here's a way to come to grips with it. Let's see if you know this, Dr. Dan. Okay. Researchers have found that using one of those hand grips, you know the kind you squeeze the handles together? You remember them? Mm-hmm. If you uh, yeah, yeah, I have them right that, here. All right. Well, here's what the research is showing. This is from 2012. If you use those for 12 to 15 minutes a day in two-minute intervals done three times a week, you can reduce your blood pressure by 10%. And that's according to an ARP study that uh, about uh, a paper presented at the American Heart Association, and it was published uh, in a very credible uh, journal called Hypertension. The study on how exercise can help lower blood pressure found some of the most impressive improvements resulted from four weeks of squeezing a hand grip. Isn't that a lot better than taking a drug that could have a lot of side effects? Just think, if the pharmaceutical companies find out there is something that can substantially reduce your blood pressure readings that can be found in any sporting goods store for minimal cost, I think they would just blow up. They would need duct tape around their heads. But hand grip exercises aren't the only things that offer an easy, safe way to bring those blood pressure readings down. Another method, you might try it. And and this one is absolutely free. Deep breathing exercises. According to that study, slowing your breathing down to about six breaths in 30 seconds can reduce your more important top number. That's the systolic number. By good three points. And I'm going to talk about the Buteco breathing uh, method too uh, at some point. Because uh, the slower you breathe and the more carbon dioxide you let build up, uh, you increase your nitric oxide. And that, that's mm. a vasodilator. That's the thing that, that, that made Viagra uh, so popular. So you want that nitric oxide. But So slow breathing. All right? Natural. Hand grips. Right? And guess what else can lower your blood pressure by 10%? And this is an old Italian uh, treatment. Garlic. Okay, it can reverse some of the hardening of the arteries, according to this study, and some of the accumulation of arterial plaque by 80%. And this is out of UCLA Medical Center. So not, not, this isn't out of your mom and pop 
uh, store. This is from the UCLA Medical Center. So you have a little bit of an idea if you have just mild hypertension. Please work with your physician, though. Don't do this on your own. Work with them or find a physician that will work with you. Uh, and uh, there are things that can be done with it besides taking drugs. And if you're like a few of us and we're sort of beating the odds here, getting past our 70s, and uh, I guess uh, we really don't have to take too much advice from people. Because I think we're doing something right, right, Dan? Yes, absolutely. Because the older and you get, you, the older you're going to live. Yeah, and well, you made and it, right. Exactly. To an older age, you have more of a chance of progressing further on. But so it's but a good I think sign. There's, there's one thing that seniors and super seniors do fear, and I think uh, you realize it's Alzheimer's disease, dementia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do fear that because you don't want to be a burden. Um, so if you're one of them, you've, you know, if you live seven, eight, nine decades and are planning for more, I want to tell you, uh, how to spot the key warning signs so you can fight back now and never let the disease rob you of your golden years. It comes down to, uh, some little tests and ones that don't involve needles, radiation, loud noises, being stabbed, being slid into a tube. All you need to do is ask a doctor to check your hand grip strength. Right? Here we're back to that, that those hand grip things for uh, exercises for your blood pressure. So you want to make sure you have good hand grip strength, good balance, and the ability to walk 15 feet or if you're in Europe, four meters, okay? Ask your doctor to check your hand grip strength, your balance, and your ability to walk 15 feet. Odds are you don't, ha- uh, you don't have that iron grip you used to. You're not going to pull off any wild yoga moves, that's for darn sure. And you're certainly not about to compete in a 100-meter dash, but... If you've slowed down more than most, if your speed is more of a crawl, your balance is non-existent, if you've got zip in your grip, then you're facing a higher risk of dementia over the next two and a half years, according to this study I'm reporting on. Okay? So if you don't have zip in your grip, just remember that. Really an important sign. If you don't have good balance... And if, you can, if you're crawling, not walking, you have to uh, be very conscious that this could be a risk for dementia. So it's, now you know that. But what do you do about it? So most physicians will say, what? Nothing can do about it. Cross your fingers. But if you're planning to go out and live your doctor, I'm here to help you. Because there are steps you can take at any age to protect your brain and slow the onset of this disease, making sure you can love every minute of whatever time you have left. First, boost your intake of heart-friendly, brain-boosting omega-3 fatty acids. A 2013 study found these healthy fats found in fish oil can cut your risk of dementia and even extend your life. Secondly, make sure you're getting plenty of B vitamins. They have been proven to help protect protect against brain shrink that marks dementia and slower, even reverse cognitive decline. Now, talk to your doctor before adding supplements, especially if you're already on medication so he can make sure there's no conflicts or no no cross-reactions. But two simple things, right? Omega-3 fatty acids and a good multiple vitamin. Uh, And especially if you don't have any zip in your grip. So there are things you can do, right, Dr. Dan? Oh, yeah. I take them every day. Okay, a multivitamin and also a B complex. 
plus other things. I won't get into that. Thank you. If, well, you, if I you, told you what I told you, it would take an hour. <laughs> well, you, you are complex. You are very yes, complex. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment, Leon. <laughs> we so we've talked about toxic car chemicals. We have a picture on our website uh, that shows you a toxic car. I could talk to you next about Splenda. We could talk about, you know, one thing that, that uh, people are doing, I guess if you fly a lot, you'll see people wearing masks, uh, face masks, like the old surgical masks. And uh, one thing you can do, believe it or not, to make them more effective if people decide to wear them. They now have a silver impregnated mask because silver is antimicrobial. But they cost a fortune. But if you have your own silver generator, you could just spray those masks yourself. So I do have to talk to you more about silver nanoparticles uh, as a treatment for disease, and especially Lyme. Um, but I have so much on my plate today, Dr. Dan. I just have uh, so many things I've read about and filed, uh, especially I have – what do you know about zinc? You know, we talked about zinc because nobody ever measures it, right? Well, it's, it's, it's very important. Zinc is very important, and uh, it uh, helps to boost the immune system. And we have zinc every day, at least in a multivitamin. Exactly. You don't want to take an overdose of zinc. That's that's going the opposite way. So you have to be careful with it. And uh, of of course, uh, uh, I do like to take to, take to some zinc. But I got my eye caught my uh, my tongue caught my eye teeth. And I can't say, see what I'm saying. But unlock those eyes. Yeah, I got those, got that double vision. You know. So uh, well, um, I take what? some zinc if I feel like a cold coming on or something like that, you know. Well, let, let me tell you that that what what happened okay. here. A couple of years back, the FDA came down like a sack of bricks on the makers of zinc-based cold remedies. They handed out mm-hmm. fines. They put even put some companies out of business that were advertising zinc for colds. But I will tell you now. Because of my extensive reading and because I self-fund this show and I can tell you what I want. No, I'm just kidding. Today, a new study proves beyond all doubt that those remedies not only work, but they work so well. Some people are saying, finally, there is a cure for the common cold. Zinc not only helps you feel better faster, it works in just about everyone across all age groups, across racial barriers and gender lines, gender lines, however many genders they think we have these days. I'm sorry I had to throw that in. Overall, zinc lozenges will shave nearly three days off the average cold. Well, I don't know if that's not a cure, Dr. Dan. I don't know what what, what is a cure for the cold yet. Mm-hmm. You can bet those companies that were fine won't get their money back, and they're not going to get a letter of apology from the FTC. So forget the feds, ladies and gentlemen. Go with science, because the science says zinc works best if you take it at the first sign of sniffles and keep taking the stuff until you're feeling better. There is a trick to using this, an important one. You just can't take a little bit and consider yourself covered. And you can't just gobble a whole dose, high-dose supplement either, since too much zinc can lead to some embarrassing gas and a desperate dash for the toilet because of Montezuma's revenge. <laughs> the, old, the old Montezuma two-step. <laughs> so here's the key. Take low doses repeatedly throughout the day. That's why zinc lozenges have been proven to be so effective, because they deliver the zinc slowly as they melt, a little at a time. So this new study states you should aim for the century mark. 
Okay, make that easy. Aim for the century mark, 100 milligrams a day. But you may not even have to go that far because other studies have found you can cut down your coal with just 75 milligrams a day. Okay, and for the best protection, ladies and gentlemen, the best protection, make sure you're getting enough fish oil. Here we go with the omega-3s again. And vitamin C and D, powerful immune boosters that can slash your risk of getting a cold or even the flu in the first place. If you're doing a lot of flying, there's nothing like taking an extra dose of vitamin C and D before you hop into that uh, container of uh, microbes uh, to improve, in, increase your immunity. Uh, you know, no wonder, you know, people getting fibromyalgia chemicals and whatever. And so we just had, just this past week, July 18th to be exact, well, that was just yesterday, wasn't it? Guidelines about fibromyalgia. Dr. Dan, uh, you know what that is? Oh, sure. Okay, multiple trigger points and tender points in the muscles. You're always aching. Uh, you have a lot of fatigue because you, you have disrupted sleep. You never get into the the good REM sleep. Uh, so what did I do with that study? Here it is here. <laughs> this is really interesting. The, the guidelines that were, pro, uh, were provided by an evidence-based recommendations, including non-pharmacological and psychological interventions, and it was published in the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases. Again, ladies and gentlemen, not my say-so, not Prevention Magazine, not the daily newspaper, but a qualified medical journal. And the, these are these recommendations are, are new. I'm going to, I just highlighted a few things, especially by the lead author, Dr. Crawford. Dr. Crawford noted that although overall the treatment recommendations made by the study are similar to how these patients are managed in the United States, there are some differences. For example, in the United States, there is a strong cultural pressure for pharmacological over non-pharmacological treatments. Interpretation. In the United States versus Europe, we tend to use drugs first. Dr. Crawford explained that some of this pressure may come from, quote, advertising by pharma suggesting that drugs work better than they actually do, unquote. Okay, did you get that? The lead author suggests that the reason we're using more drugs in the United States is because the pharmaceutical companies are telling physicians that these drugs work better than they really do. In addition, she said that a lack of knowledge of how to prescribe non-pharmacologic treatments as well as a lack of availability or access to non-pharmacological treatments in the United States. So what does that mean? Lack of insurance coverage for psychological interventions, communities without access to a therapeutic pool like the swirl pools and whatever may contribute to the bias toward pharmacological intervention. Well, we'll summarize more of this at a later date when we have to, but you know, it is like a horror movie that the FDA and the big pharmaceutical companies, they just can't stop watching. Because ever since Pfizer, Pfizer unleashed Lyrica, and that's what I want to bring up. That's why this was a good introduction to Lyrica. You know, this study just came out, published in a journal, and the study was done in Europe for the European Union. But they say that the you know, United States uses too much drugs. Well, Pfizer unleashed Lyrica, a blockbuster fibromyalgia and seizure medication. Guess how long ago? 12 years ago. We talked previously about the risk. It's been linked to vision problems, muscle pain, serious heart conditions, and even suicidal thoughts. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? That's the short list. Now a new study has found that Lyrica may be sending the risk of serious and life-threatening birth defects through the roof. It is an urgent warning that all women who may become pregnant, they need to hear this and may need to be aware of this. Because by the time they find out they're expecting it, it may be too late. Lyrica is one of those 
Teflon, quote-unquote, drugs. We already know that it does little or nothing to help those suffering from fibromyalgia. Yet despite its terrible track record, plus its long list of absolutely horrible side effects, it keeps going like the Energizer Bunny. And sadly, big pharmaceutical companies are not doing anything. In fact, Big Pharma is doing everything it can to make sure the latest study doesn't put a dent in its sales. This report it was published in the journal Neurology. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's supported by the American Academy of Neurology. Researchers analyzed data from seven different countries on pregnant women taking Lyrica. And they found that birth defects were three times higher in those on the drug. And even worse, if that's possible, babies born to moms who use Lyrica were at six times the risk of having a major defect of the central nervous system. All right, what are we talking about? Spina bifida and encephaly. You know what that is, where part of the skull or brain is missing, and encephalocele, in which large parts of the brain tissue bulge out from the gap in the skull. Can you imagine this, Dr. Dan? Can you imagine this? Those were innocent women taking Lyrica under doctor's orders with a prescription. They had no idea, Dr. Dan, that this drug was doing long-term damage to their babies. Considering that there are thousands of women of childbearing age who are using this drug, you would think the FDA would be sounding an alarm, right? Be all over CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever. Like they're now widely broadcasting the risk to pregnant women about Zika virus, right? I mean, the same, you know, same central nervous system disorder. What are you hearing about it? You're hearing all the good stuff, the advertising stuff. Yeah, that's what you would think, that they would be sounding the bell. The alarm should be going off. But even the lead author of this study doesn't want anyone to hit the panic button. He told reporters, get this, we should not unduly alarm others to be about a definite risk. You can think a warning going out should be as loud as an air raid siren in a living room. Pfizer, of course, is trying to throw cold water on this lyrical fire by saying the study was small. Besides, some of the women were smokers. Now, we all know smoking and pregnancy doesn't mix. Dr. Dan can tell you about that. But you can bet there were smokers in the group that were not taking Lyrica, too. It would be nice if the drug companies were worried about the health of our unborn babies as they are about hitting their next quarterly sales figures. And unfortunately, Dr. Dan, it's not just pregnant women with fibromyalgia or seizures who are at risk. Derek is prescribed for plenty of other reasons. In fact, a quarter of the women in the study were taking it for anxiety. They were taking it for depression or a bipolar disorder. Mm. Gosh, this, 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 this is just so upsetting. It's just so upsetting. I hate to bring you this kind of news, ladies and gentlemen, but that's what we're doing here at Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. i bring you uh, as we see it. So, we know about fibromyalgia. There are non-pharmacological treatments for this disorder. I had the privilege of studying uh, with Dr. Janet Travell, and there are treatments including injections, ethyl chloride spray, vitamins. She was a big believer in vitamin C and she lived well into her 90s and still saw patients. <sighs> Dr. Dan, give me some help. I need a breather. You need a breather? You sound pretty good to me, Dr. Ron. You're really going strong today. Great, great well, information. In, in fact, uh, you're speaking about fibromyalgia. One of our friends was over today. I mentioned it to you earlier. And uh, she has, they say she has fibromyalgia. And I got to check with her and see what she's on. I really don't know. She might be on Lyrica, but I don't think so because she looks too good. And yeah, the side well, effects of the drug are, 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 are scary. When you, when, you, when you listen to these drugs on television, 
the side effects are longer than the good parts of the drug they're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's really scary. You've got to be very, very careful today. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh, All right. A couple more things, Dr. Dan. Uh, And to all our listeners, thank you for hanging in there. We have a great retention. By the way, Blog Talk Radio now has a... uh, uh, analytics that show how many people, how long they listen, what the retention rate is. And I want to thank all of our listeners for hanging in there for an hour. We hope to keep it interesting because we have a high retention rate, higher than when we started this program. So just want to not forget to uh, thank all of our listeners uh, for making us number one in this uh, region and, and on the Internet and for hanging in there. And you know I beat up on the big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, I have been, you know, I just, I know it, I know it from both sides of the, the aisle after being in, having my medical license now for 51 years. And uh, we all know about uh, how they they try and get get medications out there. Well, when it comes to your heart, ladies and gentlemen, nothing in the world has stood up to decades of research and thousands of years of real-world results, quite like omega-3 fatty acids and fish oils. Now, I don't have this in my notes, but just as an aside, the omega-6s are pro-inflammatory. The omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, and you need about a one-to-one balance. Most Americans, I would think, is like 12 to 1, uh, the 6 to the 3s. Now, a new major study confirms this very old discovery. Not only will omega-3s protect your heart, but they'll give it a suit of armor. When? When you're in the emergency room in those tense life-or-death moments right after a heart attack, if that happens to you. If you've been falling short on omega-3s, you can find yourself going to the emergency room and dying, actually. But if you get all the fats you need, your risk of dying from a heart attack attack dropped by 25%. So if you're eating the right amount of fats, you're eating your fish, you're taking fish oil supplements like omega-3s, you cut your risk of dying from a heart attack by 25%. Even more moderate levels of omega-3s will help save your life by cutting that death risk by 10% compared to folks with a low intake. So what makes this study important? Why are we talking about it? The folks weren't asked to take a wild guess about how much omega-3s they were getting each day. There was a massive and thorough undertaking involving 45,000 people in 19 countries, and they were all given blood tests. We know exactly how much omega-3 was pumping through their arteries. So here's some things to do. Boost your omega-3 intake if you're not working on that already. And how do you do that? Well, eat more fatty fish. Enjoy that good salmon. It's summertime, and there's nothing like salmon filet, okay? And be careful of Atlantic salmon, which is farm-raised. Try and get the wild salmon. And I, I will ask a, a friend of mine on, uh, who's on the air now that where to get good wild salmon. Number two, boost your intake of grass-fed beef and free-range eggs which also contain oodles of omega-3s, okay? So we're going to eat more fatty fish. We're going to boost our intake of grass-fed beef and eggs. And we're going to take a supplement. Read the fine print. Make sure it's the real deal because 1,000 milligrams of fish oil is not the same as 1,000 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, Okay. You want 1,000 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, not just 1,000 milligrams of quote-unquote fish oil. Check the ingredients and choose one that has high levels of EPA and DHA. They are they're acids, okay, ladies and gentlemen, casopentanoic acid and dihydro, but don't worry about that. EPA and DHA. 
and there's another source of omega-3s, okay, guess what it is? Butter, not margarine, butter. And later, latest research proves that mainstream has been getting it wrong all along. Butter is making a big-time comeback, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll talk more about that and, and diabetes at a later time. Um, but I'm going to just take a minute and see, uh, go back to my board here and see if my good friend Howard is on. Howard, where, where, what, what's the best salmon to get? Um, if, if you're still wild, awake. Wild king salmon from uh, Alaska or, or the Pacific. Okay, and I think that's the key. Wild caught. Don't wild get caught. trapped. Yeah, don't get trapped with Atlantic salmon. Atlantic is a copyrighted uh, name, and they are used, that is used to label the farm-raised salmon, which are garbage. So, wow, I think we uh, covered a lot of material today, ladies and gentlemen. And your host uh, was a, is a little bit tired. But we are going to uh, increase this program to twice a week. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your listening, and remember that a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. So let's get on with a positive attitude. Most centenarians have positive attitudes, and they sleep well. And we'll talk next week about melatonin. How about that, Dr. Dan? What do you know you about melatonin and sleep? It's uh, we uh, we need melatonin, and of course we can we can increase it by cutting out all the blue light in the in the bedroom and making the room dark. But if you but if you need a supplement, it's okay to take as long as you talk to your doctor. And sometimes lower doses work better than higher doses, which is very strange. So if you're going oh, to start you know, out with melatonin, I would not go with f- five milligrams to start. You might go with a half a milligram or one milligram and see how it works. All right, I'm gonna just I'm gonna get into that, but you know what? Do you know that two weeks ago we talked about LED lights? I'm just gonna tell you that we are so far ahead of the curve at, at the Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored at 26 at the 2016 annual meeting of the American Medical Association. They issued new guidance for communities on how to reduce the harmful human and environmental effects of high intensity. Quote on uh, in parentheses LED street lighting. Mm. Okay, and didn't we talk about how much blue light we get from these? Despite the energy efficiency benefits, some LED lights are harmful when used in street lighting. It's from the AMA, and we reported on this a couple weeks ago. They're just getting around to, to talking about it. And so, because as you said, it can reduce your sleep times, the quality of your sleep. Some people, it makes excessive sleepy. And you know what? That light is contributing to obesity because of the wavelengths that come come from that. So we, I think we should talk a little bit about melatonin, and we should talk about protecting your health, especially uh, what I've been using at night. I've been using the UV, uh, UVEX model sunglasses uh, to, to that filter out uh, the blue light. Uh, this way, you don't have to worry worry about installing programs on your devices. It's under ten bucks on Amazon. Uh, UVX model. Uh, they work like a charm, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, I do have a couple more minutes to to, to uh, talk about here, and I have a I have a, a paper that I on my in front of me. Can melatonin and five HTP improve your sleep? Well, it can. You, you have to do. Uh, you know, watch the blue light. But uh, you know how many people are sleep deprived in the United States? Take a guess, Most. Dr. Dan. 40%. Oh. 40% yeah, of, of Americans are sleep deprived. So, what are the reasons? Well, one is people just stay up too late to watch TV or surf the web. And others is for, you know, health problems, maybe like you have fibromyalgia or pain to keep you awake. So a lot of people struggle to fall asleep each night. Uh, 10% suffer from chronic insomnia. <laughs> and this uh, chronic insomnia involves difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep, as well as waking up too early in the morning. 
In many cases, making changes to your sleep hygiene routine and lifestyle, such such as exercising more and avoiding exposure to blue light at night. That's why I'm using these, these glasses at night. If you've tried everything, you're still struggling, it might be time to consider melatonin. And, and I, I agree with Dr. Dan. Uh, your brain typically starts secreting melatonin around 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Okay? These regularly occurring secretions can help regulate your sleep cycle. And melatonin, of course, is producing your brain. Uh, your melatonin levels stay elevated for about 12 hours. Okay? And there, there's a rhythm to it. And melatonin deficiency may come with some profound biological disadvantages. And one of them that worries me is higher levels of inflammation because we know that chronic inflammation is the basis of a lot of diseases. So, you know, it's it's good to get some sun exposure during the day to try and uh, get your melatonin to kick in naturally. Okay? Get exposure to bright sunlight during the day. But sometimes you have to supplement, all right? You have to get your uh, internal clock back on order. So, as Dr. Dan intimated, more is not typically better with melatonin. Daily doses of melatonin between a half a milligram and five milligrams are similarly effective except that people fall asleep faster and sleep better after 5 milligrams and 0.5 milligrams. No one recommends doses above 5 milligrams. They do not appear to be more effective. Okay? So taking doses higher than 3 milligrams sometimes can make you more wakeful. So somewhere between 0.5 and 5, you're going to have to find your, your, uh, your level. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll come back to this study next week. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, thank Dr. Dan for commenting and being available and uh, for for his uh, musical talents. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week again at 4 o'clock for Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. God bless. Have a great week. See you, Dr. Dan. See you, Hal. See you, Nettie. See you, all the other uh, regular listeners to this program. Ciao. God bless you. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. Thank you for listening to Rejuvenation Health Radio. Here on blogtalkradio.com. See you next week. Ciao.